This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed, by Visa, by Regents Field, and by Bet Online. And listen, podcast family, I don't even know where to start. I don't. I've thought about it for hours. I'm recording this while the Emmys are on, and the background here is Shit's Creek. Is Continue to win Emmy after Emmy, which is awesome because that's one of my favorite shows ever. If you haven't watched it, go find it on Netflix. Maybe go watch it tonight or save it for next Sunday after the Lions play the Cardinals if you're in a bad mood or the next time the Lions lose. It's that good. It will bring a smile to your face and joy to your heart. But as I'm watching that... I've been thinking and, and trying to figure out what to say about the Lions because there there isn't much to say anymore. I, today, to me, felt like, I won't say the beginning of the end, but maybe the beginning of the beginning of the end, if that makes sense. It, just the way everything fell apart, the same themes over and over and over again, the lack of progress that really feels like that's occurred from season one to season two to season three in the Matt Patricia era. All of that really seemed to come to a head at a place where so many Lions coaches have had things really unravel, and that's Lambeau Field. You just watched the Lions play Green Bay, and you saw all of the same tropes. Get out to the early lead. Stop scripting. The script stops as far as your plays that you planned beforehand, and slowly things start to fall apart. It happened, obviously, in the first half instead of the second half on Sunday, but it was the same thing. It was like watching the last quarter of the Lions-Bears game from week one in the second quarter of the Lions-Packers game in week two. Bad penalties that extended drives or that allowed the clock to stop in an instance of Ode Boucher's declined holding penalty. Bad decisions by Will Harris, a bad sack taken by Matthew Stafford, and all of a sudden a 14-3 lead becomes a 17-14 deficit in less than a quarter. And not only that, it 
it was worse than that because you felt like the Lions had momentum. They looked good on offense. They were running the ball well. They were taking a smart strategy, which is the Packers minus Kenny Clark. Run on them. Run right up the middle. Take it to them with some some inside zones, some halfback dives, some halfback bellies, whatever you want to do. Some full Have some fullback plays in there where the fullback Jason Cabinda is blocking. The Lions did all of that in the first two drives. They mixed in the pass. Matthew Stafford looked sharp. Kerryon Johnson ran well. Adrian Peterson ran well. There was even an outside run by Peterson where he looked exactly like the Adrian Peterson that you would expect him to be from three, four, five years ago. It all looked like it was going well. You sat there and you said, well, maybe they got whatever it was that they carried over from the 2019 season out of their system. It looked like it for a second. And then it started. Will Harris back-to-back penalties on two straight plays. Penalties, by the way, he may get fined for in both instances because they were basically an unnecessary roughness penalty and then a horse collar. Odea Boucher taking a bizarre, very late, almost after the play, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by rolling into a Packers offensive or Packers defensive lineman. The second straight week that a Lions player has committed a very dumb penalty after the play or at the end of a play that really helped the opponent. Last week it was Jamie Collins putting a crown of his helmet intentionally or unintentionally into an official leading to an ejection. This week it was Ode Abouche and that's really where it starts. It all just fell apart from there. And then after halftime, you figure, okay, maybe they'll make some adjustments. Maybe Matt Patricia, Corey Oundland, Daryl Bevel will talk to their team. Didn't happen. Instead, Aaron Jones runs 75 yards on literally the first play of the second half. And at that point, it really felt like ball game. The Lions run defense is just not there. It's just not good. The Lions' defense as a whole is just not there. It's not good. Yes, they're missing Desmond Trufant and they're missing Justin Coleman due to injury. Those two players would make a difference. But you had your other starting quarterback out there anyway in Amani Awarie. And you had Jeff Okuda, who was the number three overall pick, out there. And you're banking on him to eventually be a starter one day. Not a fair position for Jeff Okuda to be in, by the way. Snap one, snap two, snap three of your career you're going against Aaron Rodgers and you're going against Devontae Adams and you're having to play man-to-man. They didn't play man every play, but just you shouldn't do that. Like That's putting Jeff Okuda not in a position to succeed. You're basically saying, hey kid, good luck. And you give him some help here and there, but it wasn't enough because your pass rush is still bad. There's no other word to describe it. The Lions' pass rush is bad. Very, very bad. Particularly up front, where no defensive lineman had a quarterback hit on Aaron Rodgers. And sure, Aaron Rodgers is slippery. He's very difficult to to grasp. But whole game, not a single quarterback hit, that's, that's poor. In two games, only one defensive lineman has recorded one quarterback hit. And that's Trey Flowers, who also has a sack. The pressure is coming from the linebackers and the safeties, which 
in some ways, if you're the Lions and you're somebody who watched the Lions last year, is not a bad thing because it's showing that, yeah, maybe they are being a little bit more aggressive defensively. But if your defensive front cannot get to the quarterback, you're in big trouble because it also means you're pro- they're probably getting held up on blocks, which is happening, which means that run run holes are going to open up for opponents all day long, which guess what? That happened against the Packers. And sure, Nick Williams wasn't out there, but I, I can't pin this on Nick Williams being injured because the Lions struggled last week and Nick Williams was out there. And I'm sorry, Nick Williams, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my opinions. He's a player that, like, he's... He he had one good year, and you're banking on him at age 30 capitalizing on that versus maybe it being the aberration that it could be. That's bad. Danny Shelton, too often it looks like he's getting held up by interior linemen, and he's looking more like Snacks Harrison did last year, maybe a bit worse than that even. Instead of the the ascending player they were hoping they were getting. Deshaun Hand does not really seem to be doing much at this point. Uh, whether they're moving him inside or outside. Romeo Aquara hasn't been able to get pressure. And Trey Flowers is getting double teamed. But there's only so much that he can do. But without a pass rush, you've got, you're putting your corners in an unenviable position. You heard, you heard it last year. You heard Darius Slay talk about it when he left. And I know that people on this po- that listen to this podcast, I know others were annoyed with how Darius Slay maybe went out the door. But at the same time, what did Darius Slay say that was maybe so wrong when you look at it? Because what you're seeing on the field right now are, is basically the same thing that you've seen for the first two years. You haven't really seen much different at this point. It, it's kind of like that old adage of, you do the same thing over and over and over again without a successful result, but yet you expect a different result. That's what it feels like watching the Lions at this point. There are a few things Matt Patricia said in his post-game press conference that really stood out to me, and I'm going to hit on a couple of them here. Here's what Matt Patricia said when he was asked if he had confidence in his defensive scheme. Quote, Obviously, you play a game like this today, it's a bad game and it's not good enough and we're trying to do better. I think our scheme has been really multiple. We tried to just do whatever the best we could to fit the guys that we have to play at a high level. And certainly there's a lot of teaching and technique and fundamental work that's involved with that. And the end, obviously, is just got to improve. End quote. Then he was asked, does he have the personnel to execute his defensive scheme? I got all the confidence in the world in these guys. We just got to go out and do it. We got to stop doing things that hurt our team and hurt us and just make sure that we're trying to execute at a high level, coach and play well. End quote. Well, right now, the Lions are doing none of those things. They're not executing well. They're not coaching well. They're certainly not playing well. The defense may be multiple, but you look at it and it's, it's not working. It worked a little bit against the Bears. And who knows, maybe the Bears are a little bit better than, than we all thought. Obviously, they beat the Giants, but I don't necessarily think the Giants are any good this week. So they're 2-0. and oh, But, it's uh, yeah, you're missing starters. I get that. But at the same time, everybody's missing starters around the league. It's not like every team is healthy and it's just you. 
Everybody is. So, I guess I just don't know. I mean, you, you listen to some of the answers as just the same things week after week. Uh, I mean, I asked Patricia why they lose double-digit leads all the time. And, you know, it, it seemed like there was almost a resigned nature to the way he talked. Not that he's resigned to it or anything like that. But there wasn't the same fire that there was last week. And maybe it's because of the way that they lost, where it was a complete and thorough annihilation versus what happened last Sunday. But here's what he said when, why do you lose double-digit leads all the time and you can't hold on to it and finish? Because, by the way, that's four straight games where the Lions have lost double-digit leads. They're the first team in NFL history to lose double-digit leads in four straight games. Quote, I mean, we're doing a good job starting fast, and that's something that's happening for our team, and that's a good thing. I think we've got to use that momentum, and we've got to keep it going. Certainly in a year, that's a little bit unusual, but that energy, that focus, all of it, it's just got to come through for 60 minutes. You can't ride the wave of the game. We can't go up and down and be really high, and then something happens and go really low, and then try to pick it back up, and then something good happens and are really high again. Just the ebbs and flows of the game, we've got to ignore that. We've got to stay consistent. We've got to not think about the end result before we get to the end result. We've got to think about that play and that moment and stay in that moment, and that's something we have to do. End quote. I've got a lot of thoughts on that and more as we continue to break down the Packers' complete, I know I used the word annihilation, I'm going to use it again, annihilation of the Detroit Lions here on the Michael Rothstein Show. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. And listen, even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. 
Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Now, back to our show. So we're back again. Thanks for sticking through the break. And as I had said, there was a lot that I had on my mind off of that quote. And it starts there that if you're talking about the players being able to handle the ebb and the flow of the game, sure, some of that's on the players. You're professionals at this point. You should be able to handle that. But football is an emotional game. And the coaches are the ones, especially the head coach, that should be able to instill that. I think back to Matt Patricia's predecessor, Jim Caldwell. Because, listen, Jim Caldwell had his faults. We all know that. And I was incredibly critical of Jim Caldwell during his tenure as well because there were things that they struggled with, without a doubt. But one thing you can always say about Jim Caldwell's teams was that they were able to maintain that stasis. And that came from the head coach. And I remember multiple players telling me that when we would talk to them about instead of fourth quarter collapses, fourth quarter comebacks, because the majority of Matthew Stafford's comebacks, or a lot of them at least, came under Jim Caldwell. And it was because he was always calm. They looked at him and he was this calming influence, this calming presence. And that helped them through games. So then when I hear Matt Patricia's quotes about having to manage, being consistent and having to manage the ebb and the flow of the game better. I, I do wonder where he's talking about his players, whether he's talking about himself or, or all of that, because they do need to do that. And that starts with coaching. One thing, and you'll read it in my piece today on ESPN.com, that is that for so long we've heard Matt Patricia say it starts with me whenever he's been asked about issues that they've had in coaching. It starts with me. It starts with me. Or variations of that. Well, maybe it's time to listen to that and say, you know what? You're right. It does start with you. And all these problems that the Lions have, it starts there. Because I I don't believe they have completely not talented players. I, I believe they do have a lot of talented players on their roster. Just I don't think that the coaching staff's getting the most out of those players. And the record... 9-24-1 9-24-1 would agree with that, no matter who has been on their team. Uh, and, and that's something, I think, to really look at at this point. Just look at Sunday. And, I mean, the defense was just severely overmatched. It just did not look like it could handle it. Uh, after maybe the first two drives of the game, there were missed assignments everywhere, poor angles taken on tackles, and it just... It just looked awful for so much of the game. Offensively, I thought they moved the ball really well for the first two drives. Well, there's touchdowns. And then after that, it's like it stopped. And it was very hit and miss, fits and starts here and there. We talked about the Odea Buche penalties before. Matthew Stafford taking a sack. At this point, as a 12-year veteran, he has to know better than that. And... You don't take a sack that was almost a safety and put your team in more, in even less advantageous position than you were already in when you're trying to just close out the half at that point. You're just trying to get out of the half, get out of the half with the lead at that point, and you can't do it. Then Stafford threw a really bad 
pass again backed up near his own goal line that resulted in a pick six. That pretty much sealed off any chance of the Lions coming back. Matthew Stafford did not have a good game. He had a great first quarter, but he didn't have a great game on Sunday. I don't think there was any Lions player that had necessarily a great game or even a a really good game on Sunday outside of Carryon Johnson. But even Carryon Johnson had a really bad drop in the second half. Like, it literally just it looked like it hit him in the hands and he dropped it. Um, you know, I, I really am not sure who else you can say had a really good game. Quintus Cephas had a couple of nice catches, but both of those came incredibly late. Um, Tracy Walker seemed to be really around the ball, but he gave him a touchdown reception where it looked like he slipped and fell trying to cut back. Uh, on Robert Tanyan's touchdown. There was just nobody on the Lions that seemed played well. And sure, in a 42-21 game, you're not going to find many bright spots. I take that back. Jack Fox, the punter, played well for the second straight week. That Fox might have been a really good find for the Lions. I mean, right now, if you were to say who their best, their most valuable player is, I think Justin Rogers tweeted it from the Detroit News, and probably there was a little bit of sarcasm there, but Jack Fox has been really good for you. I'm not sure who else has been really, really good for you. Adrian Peterson was really good in week one, but didn't do much in week two with the limited opportunities that he had. Nobody on your defense you can say that to. On special teams, Matt Prater has missed a couple of field goals. Granted, they were long field goals, but still, that's abnormal for him. Jamal Agnew made a really odd error for him in calling for a fair catch and then trying to block, which is like one of the first rules you should probably learn when it comes to punt returning. I I imagine he just had a complete brain fart there, but that's part of the problem with the Lions is too often it seems like they're having those and they're not holding penalties or they're not... Even a pass interference call that could be questionable. It's all unnecessary roughness, or it's all false starts, or it's all offsides. And sure, the occasional false start or offside, it happens. It does. Like, no one's perfect, right? Like, especially Aaron Rodgers is really good with cadence. And sometimes it can be loud, although not this year, where, where that's going to happen. And, and people make mistakes, but the mistakes that the Lions are making, you know, illegal block in the back is another one. It happens from time to time. Like, all those happen. But the ones that are are more egregious are the ones that, that just shouldn't happen because you, you should know the rule and you should be so well-versed in that rule because you've been playing the game in the position for so long. And it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it feels like there's a lack of discipline when it comes to some penalties. It feels like there is a lack of cohesion defensively in a lot of ways. And I don't think that the players are necessarily being put in the best positions, even though the players will never say that. Offensively, I think the Lions are doing what they can. But, you know, as you go along and if you're down, it completely changes and alters your playbook and your game plan. You should be able to adjust and Daryl Bevel should be able to adjust. And as we talked about, I think Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. I think he's a quarterback that can lead you from behind to win games He's just not able to do that, and I'm not sure why that is. Haven't been able to figure that out. Haven't been able to decipher it. it it's all just baffling to me when I look at it because, you know, I, I I don't know what this says. Like, the last two seasons I've in the preseason, and this season 
admittedly was kind of just a complete dart throw, right? Because you just didn't know. But it looked like there was potential each of these two seasons. And sure, this season's still young. There's a lot of games left. But what you've seen out of the first two games, I, I don't know if that, what you can pull from there that says, oh, this team's definitely going to turn it around. Because, again, they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And they don't change. So with all of that said, what happens next? I, I don't know the answer to that. We're going to hit a mailbag this week. Uh, not necessarily tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to have a special episode of the podcast. It's actually not going to be completely Lions related. So I understand if you skip it. But I think it's a really fun interview with Jeff Perlman. Who, his book comes out on Tuesday about the Kobe and Shaq Lakers dynasty. So if you, Jeff Perlman's a fantastic author. We talk a little bit about the USFL actually and the Michigan Panthers as well. So there's some stuff in there for Lions fans or from, or Michigan Panthers fans, I guess, and football fans as well. Um, so you've got that coming. We'll have a mailbag on Wednesday and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, as far as everything else with this team, uh, I'll pick out a few bar- bright spots here. I thought the offensive line actually did did okay. You know, I, they mostly kept Matthew Stafford clean. Um, toward the end, it got a little bit bad, but at that point, everybody's pressing, right? But I think the line is actually holding up, especially since they are down two starters in Vitae and in Joe Dahl. And sure, Abouche had his problems, but other than that, I think Taylor Decker's shown he, he's pretty good. Frank Ragnow is one of the top centers in the NFL. I think Jonah Jackson, for a rookie, is playing quite well, actually. And that's a bright spot for the Lions. If you're looking for bright spots, I think Jonah Jackson, again, considering no preseason, truncated training camp, you know, all all the stuff that we've talked about, has been really good early in the year. Terrell Crosby, once again, showing that he can fill in wherever needed and hold his own. And I'll be really curious to see what happens when Vitae comes back. Because Vitae will end up in the starting lineup. But if Vitae struggles, do you go back to Tyrell Crosby, who has not struggled, at least in my opinion, all that much from what I have watched? And I will admit I missed some of the fourth quarter because I was writing. uh, And the game was clearly out of reach at that point. But Tyrell Crosby has not done anything to tell me that he shouldn't maybe have been given the right tackle job to begin with. Um, but they paid Vitae what they paid him, and he's going to end up being the starter when he comes back. And we'll see what happens, and we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, if you're looking for bright spots, I thought Tracy Walker, as we talked about, had an okay day today. Again, he gave it the touchdown, but it seemed like he was all over the field a little bit more than maybe some of his other teammates. I still think there's a lot of potential in Jelani Tavai. But it's a tough situation right now for any running back. It really is. Jamie Collins seemed like he made a couple really good plays. He also looked like he got caught on a couple of blocks as well. And then offensively, as we talked about, on Johnson, I thought, after barely being used in week one, thought he rebounded really, really well in week two. He ran strong out of the gate at the start of the game, which if you're the Lions, you needed to see that. That was clearly your kind of 15-play script game plan, and on Johnson showed that he could do it. He jumped into the end zone, thought he 
you know, he, he ran hard, he ran strong. And I know that there were questions because I got them. And I think we even talked about it on the podcast last week about, well, after the way Adrian Peterson looked, maybe he's done. Maybe he's on his way out. Maybe this, maybe that. Well, guess what? on Johnson showed that, no, he can still play a little bit and maybe don't write him off just yet. He didn't have a ton of yards, but he averaged four yards a carry. Peterson, again, averaged 5.9 yards a carry, which is good. But the, those two things, I look at those, those are bright spots. The Lions did average 4.2 yards a carry on 21 carries. That's not bad. Matthew Stafford completed 60% of his passes, but t- was sacked four times. Although, again, a lot of those late. Threw two touchdowns, threw a pick six, however. TJ Hawkinson continues to show a little bit more week after week. And I think that that's going to be a very comfortable Stafford to Hawkinson connection as the season goes on. Because TJ Hawkinson has shown that he can improve. I thought DeAndre Swift looked a little better. Particularly as a route runner. We had talked about that throughout training camp. About how good he was at that. And I think you saw that. Some of his angle routes. Some of his his routes out of the backfield were incredibly crisp. He was able to get separation in a short distance. He was able to get open and was productive. He didn't really run the ball all that well. Ran five times for 12 yards. Other than that, Marvin Jones was really good for a quarter and then seemed to disappear after that. The Lions barely threw to him. He had four catches on four targets in the first quarter, two targets the rest of the game. Quintus Cephas had 54 yards, but most of that was done late when the game was out of reach. Threw to Danny Amendola seven times. Only two of those balls were caught. Now, some of those were bad throws, but that's just kind of what you were looking at throughout the day for the Lions. And then you look at defense. Okuda had seven tackles, but there were too many times he was not there. He was not in coverage good enough. He got mixed up. Maybe mixed up's the wrong word, but it looked like he got crossed up a little bit. He just seemed like he was really, really struggling a bit throughout the game. And again, I don't necessarily put that all on him. It's his first ever snaps. He's going to get better. I think he's still going to be really good. I think he's going to learn a lot and learn a lot this season. Again, I will remind you of Darius Slay as a rookie was really not good. Had to be benched. And look at where Darius Slay was about a year and a half after that. That's just part of the deal when it comes to young players, especially without a preseason, without the spring. So I think Okuda has potential. I still think Amani Awarie has a lot of potential too, even though he had a really rough day as well, picking up a couple of penalties and really looked like he was he was also struggling whenever Devontae Adams matched up with him. And even when uh, Valdez Scantling matched up with either Okuda or Owarie, just never looked like it really went particularly well. And other than that, I mean, Jamie Collins had five tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, quarterback hit. That's pretty good. Otherwise, no one really to write home about on defense. And as we talked about when it comes to special teams, Jamal Agnew had that one really bad error. Fox averaged 54.2 yards a punt, had a 67-yard punt. Like I said, he's been playing very, very well. Matt Prater missed the only field goal attempt he had. And again, just I know we've said it a lot, but it's the same story for the Lions. Same story as it was a week ago, 
only in a different quarter. Same story as it's been for much of Matt Patricia's tenure. Want to thank my sponsors, Indeed, Visa, Regents Field, Bet Online, and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. Thank to you for listening. It's much appreciated. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein or on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And with that, I ask that you give me a five-star review if you would be so kind. And we will talk with you tomorrow. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. And get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.